Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all of the other people at the table. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joke Maniac, and today we have another amazing episode because our guest is awesome, and it is none other than Devin Rue, aka the Map Mistress. But before we go there, we have an iTunes review to read out. Today's iTunes review comes from DM Knickknack. They entitled it, Great Source of Tips and Tricks, 5 Stars. Are you a DM looking for a fun, enjoyable podcast experience that delivers both interesting content and fun commentary from some experienced DMs? Look no further. The Dungeon Master's Block is a podcast that feels both professional and casual at the same time. Topics are always interesting, the guests are always knowledgeable, and the podcast is a wellspring of information. It doesn't matter whether they're talking about survivalist campaigns or joking about hashtag food mage, the DMB is always fun and interesting. If you're a dungeon master, this podcast is a must listen to. And I think we found a new writer for any promos that we want. So thank you, DM Knickknack, for that amazing review. But that's it. So now, it's time to head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So, as you already know, today we are going to be talking about map changes over time. And to say that I'm excited about our guest... It'd probably be a bit of an understatement because today we have Devin Rue, illustrator and cartographer and a.k.a. the Mistress of Maps. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes. Neil is too, as you can tell. Yes. <laughs> Just a little. Just a little bit. There's Neil's fanboying so out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Devin. So uh, for those um, people out there who maybe haven't heard of you or uh, who need to hear more, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah. So I've been basically playing D&D since I was 14 and have been a professional artist since I've been about 17 and had a very nice, long, lovely career of making art that was not RPG related until actually until Skyrim came out in 2011. And mm. I created a map for it because I didn't like the one that came with the game and everyone's like why don't you do this for a living and I was like wait I can I had, no, I had no clue so and then it started off with everyone like you know can you make uh, a map of you know whatever area so originally I started off making them from known um, fantasy settings and everything else and then made a map for Ed Greenwood of Faerun and uh, kind of geeked out over that tremendously and yeah, um, yeah and then Found uh, the best way I wanted to do it, revamp my patron if, to suit it, and then dove into it because I was extremely welcomed by the RPG community once I started making maps for everyone. So I was like, I'm home. <laughs> and now you're making maps left and right from what I hear. Yeah, yeah. I'm booked for like <laughs> the next three years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome place to be. Also... I will throw it out there right now. If you're not supporting Devin on Patreon, shame on you. Simple, <laughs> simple as that. And I and I say that because there is so much you get from your Patreon that I've used in my own games. 
and it is just some wonderful art. Yay. And of course, there's the, the I mean, it's three years, it would be three years out, but it'd be worth a wait of potentially getting a map drawn by Devin. Right. With any luck. <laughs> yes. Well, with all the map I'm doing, I'm so worried that I'm like, my hand's just going to like give out like, nope, we're done. You have arthritis. <laughs> Great. Of course. No, I'm just uh. kidding. If you watch, no, don't say, don't say this. If you watch me on Twitch, you know that I wear compression gloves. I'm all about trying to save my hands as long as possible. So the other question we have, which we've kind of gotten into a little bit, but what are some of the things that you've been working on lately? Well, I've been working a ton on maps, and um, well, all right, I've been doing nothing but maps lately. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because I kind of get to uh, to perfect the process that I want to do because I am hoping to actually. Um, like get a Glowforge because I would love to be able to essentially transcribe my artwork onto like leather and have like leather awesome. mats. Oh, I'm so excited to try this. And, you know, I make tavern signs, but they're wood burned and they take a ton of time to do. And I would love <laughs> to be able to do like in a more three dimensional way. So again, that's that's me hopefully getting getting into engraving more. But otherwise, just endlessly plugging away on maps and uh, trying to keep up with my Patreon. Hope everyone's happy. <laughs> I'm at, I you've got at least one happy patron, so <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that's enough, but you've got at least one. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I give my artwork away for free, so anyone who's willing to be a patron of mine, I'm more than happy about. <laughs> awesome. Well, we have we have as we do with all of our guests. A surprise question uh, for you, Devin. So this one comes from Oodles, and Oodles is one of our silver Patreon dragons. And Oodles' question is, who is your favorite NPC? And this can be one that you've created or one that you've encountered as a player. Oh, my goodness. Oh, see, now here's the funny thing. So I used to have a job where I literally did not know my own schedule until roughly 24 hours before I had to start working. <laughs> and I had a fantastic uh, DM at the time that was like, all right, so let's, you know, I would just like, okay, I can't go in today or yes, I could or whatever. So when it, it ended up getting to be too much of him Jaegering my character, he's <laughs> like, okay. I have a solution and I hope you're okay with this. And I started becoming all the NPCs on the nights that I was there. Oh, huh. that's awesome. So I've literally played, like if everyone ever asked me like what character I played the most, it's like an NPC. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I did this for like close to two years. Actually, no, close to three years. So, oh God, there's a huge list of favorite NPCs at this point. <laughs> That's so much fun. And also, I would have immediately started calling them DPCs because they would be Devin played characters. But that's just me. There you go. See, we didn't think of that. <laughs> and I uh, wish we had because that would have been cool. But I used to come in with props, which was great. I would come in in costume and props because I'm a LARPer, if nobody knows. <laughs> and, uh, and all of our players would try and guess what I was or why I was there. So it was great. So, yeah. So, I don't know. I can't answer that question. There's so many. Do you have a favorite costume that you ever made for one of these NPCs that you played? Oh, yeah. It was huge. Uh, I actually went in. She was supposed to have been an oracle, but I don't know what happened during costuming. She kind of, like, went a little crazy. And I ended up with, like, this... I mean, she had huge hair. 
And she just looked, she was just covered in like cobwebs and spiders and everything else. And it would like drag along behind me. So it was just nothing but rags and hair. So kind of like, you know, uh, Strix from the Waffle Crew. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and it ended up like this huge costume. But it was great because it was just something that took seconds to put on because I made it all drape and I would just crawl underneath it and it would be on it. And the <laughs> hair was on the hood. So I didn't even have to put like a wig on. It was great. <laughs> Lots of makeup, though. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's that that there's commitment. If if a if a player is not able to um to make your game all the time because of work that can, you know, that be that's frustrating sometimes for the player and the DM because it's like yeah. you want to be there. But then when you made your entrance, you made the entrance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sure so your DM loved you for it. Like just oh, bringing yeah. life to those NPCs. I would stay in character from the moment that I was there until the game ended. Uh, I wouldn't tell the players anything until I... And it was great because I would get to know so much more about what was going on mm -hmm. behind the scenes than the other players did. So it was fantastic. And then I would give them little props, especially like if I was a shopkeeper. They all thought they were just going to... <laughs> like get a piece of paper not with me around you want a potion i have potion bottles here hold on <laughs> so good yeah that's awesome i'm just imagining being that dm as well and not like getting that same experience that the players are getting yep. of like i kind of know yeah. who this npc is but i don't really know and i like i get to go on this ride at the same time and oh it's so good yeah, getting to jump into character as another NPC, and then you're not the DM who is doing the difficulty of like being an Arguing NPC talking yourself. back and forth to itself. Because that is that is super hard. Like to be honest, that's one of the most difficult like role playing. And you're like, I'm two NPCs talking to each other, but then that DM could just jump right in, have conversations with you, and like Neil said be just as surprised and just as it was just as fun for him being able yep. to interact and be like, where is this going? This is great. This is great. I think that's a, that's a fantastic idea. If there are DMS out there who maybe have a player who their schedule is more conflicting and they're going, Oh, but I really, I really need the commitment to my players like to be able to be there, but okay. You have somebody who wants to play their schedule is not as, uh, open as the other players so so do this bring them in as you know if they want to dress up they can dress up but if they don't then just bring them in and say here you're this npc you play this character let's do it yeah and the great thing was is that anytime where i knew that i had like a stretch of time that i knew that i would be in game i would just be an npc that traveled with the group so or i would be part of the plot which was always fun mm. like you need to bring this person to this town uh, you know, all right, I'll be that <laughs> begrudgingly on that person. I can't defend myself. Someone save me, you know. Oh. <laughs> Not as much fun, but it, you know. Well, that depends on the character. <laughs> Should be even more fun. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Thanks for that answer. And thanks for that question, Oodles, uh, which we we hope. I mean, that's a fan. Maybe not the the straightforward answer you were looking for. But to me, that sounded like an even better answer because that just came out and became uh, some inspiration on how to DM right there. Um, so thanks, Devin, for uh, for answering that. Most welcome. So we are going to get directly into the topic. And I am super interested because all of your work is amazing. 
Devin, Thank and you. I almost feel like the topic is like killing your darlings. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I would never want to do that to a map that you had made. But we're going to talk about it, nonetheless, about changing maps over time. Right. So the first topic we kind of get want to get into is, like, when should that happen as a DM? When should I make that decision to start changing the map that I've essentially presented to my players? Uh, the moment that there's a catastrophic event that occurs. So most maps are actually made for uh, not... Uh, so you can get from point A to point B, as a matter of fact. Most maps are actually made as like forms of propaganda. So, And that's one of the reasons why generally the maps that we use are actually representational as opposed to informational, which is really kind of cool because as a DM, it's a great way to actually show who's in power at the time that your characters are playing and finding an older map shows who might have been in power before them. But the moment that anything huge uh, occurs, whether it's in the timeline, regardless of it actually having anything to do with changing the landscape or borders, is when a DM should start, you know, um, specifically making notes as like, okay, this is what occurs here and this is how, you know, because later on, because I love players and as a former DM, uh, <laughs> they go on their own tangents. And I jokingly, you know, because I had made the map uh, that was for Critical Role, and then like the next week, Allfield goes up in flames. And I jokingly messaged Matt, and I said, should I just burn a little hole now on the map? <laughs> you know? And uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, now we do. Yeah, Allfield's not there. He's like, no, 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 they're re they'll rebuild. Okay, good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, anything where, anything where things start changing uh, to the degree that think from... Your world's point of view is whatever king or whatever government or, or dictator for that matter, anything that they would specifically want to emphasize is why they would make maps. You know, like one of my favorite uh, historical maps uh, references is this picture of Siam, which looks gigantic, looks like it takes over almost all of uh, European continent. Meanwhile, it's really tiny. <laughs> But they did it as a form of propaganda to be like, look how powerful we are, you know, and there's quite a few things that are like that. So, yeah, anything, anything along those lines, start taking notes the moment you start playing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, especially if you have those players who are prone to set things on fire. Yeah, it's yes. definitely when you want to be really confident about where you're taking those notes. Yeah, you're, you're going to know that a big event changes that could definitely lead to map changes will happen if you have those players <laughs> yeah <laughs> bunch of pyros <laughs> and i don't think that any of us here are like sitting here saying well when should you as a dm start uh thinking about making different maps for different time periods and changing your map because of uh big events like we're talking about and saying like all right you're you're sitting down this is the, f the first time you're creating this world and you just you want to do this, you're super excited to do this, like don't do it. Like we're not saying that, uh, but I think that as as Devin, you were saying, like when you play, if you create this world and you have your basic uh, world map in front of you and you've got it all laid out. When you play, you're going to be given opportunities. You're going to be given like storylines and events that can happen, whether it's player created or you have put it into this like campaign that you're working on, that it can lead to these natural map changes that you decide 
well, this is going to have to change the map. This is going to have to change things around. Or when you finish out a campaign, you say, well, we want to jump 300, 400 years into the future or 2000 years into the future. The map is probably going to change. So that's a natural stepping off point to say it's time to start changing the map. I think one of the things I would say is just if you're going into this, if this is your first time DMing, you probably don't need to worry about this. The map that you have is probably fine. Right. But that being said, I guess the first time that I DM'd, I had a map uh, because, I mean, there's all different types of maps. If we're talking about the world map, that can be you've got one. But I remember the first time I DM'd, I gave my players a map to a dungeon and that was already an old map because things were already uh, different when they entered the dungeon. There was a tunnel collapse. There was these different monsters invaded. And so right off the bat, you can be working with maps from different time periods. Well, technically, they always should be, because unless you're traveling with a cartographer, there's no way to have this incredibly Mm. accurate map. So, and the only time that that really changes is when the border changes, or there is, I mean, because if you look at the perspective of how far away that you're actually making a map, all field going up in flames is not actually going to show up on a map. It'll just have the name erased at most, you know, and or you'll see runes there instead. So that's not like a, a big enough reason to really want to change a map unless there is something that like the spell uh, plague that happened in Faerun, which made this huge mark on the map. That's the only time that it would make a difference or when Chult is or isn't a peninsula. <laughs> you know, randomly. <laughs> no, um, things like that are reason to change the map. Otherwise, for the most part, the things that actually occur in most of our campaigns isn't really means to, unless, like I said, like government changes, borders change, or something that could actually be seen from a huge distance would actually be noticeable. I think the other thing, and this is going off of something you had said earlier, was that it's all about the perspective of who is making the map right so i can think about some of the map changes that i made to a world map i had well some of them were directly because the players took over a tower and it was their home base i mean that's not even enough to constitute a town but that's something that i added to the map and kind of changed around that area because that's very important to them right i mean they invested time effort and all of these things and now they can see their work on the world map because it's important to them literally no one else will care (laughs) in the world who sees this map but again like you said it's all about the perspective of who is wanting to look at the map if you want to change it a lot for the players especially like as your campaign goes along and it's sort of funny because i was recently asked why on earth i have maps i don't i have them where there's no labels or no text on them and someone asked me why. I said, well, not only so you can go in and Photoshop and like add your own uh, town names to you to fit your campaign, but because there's nothing more awesome than being a player and seeing the changes that you affect your world immediately. So whether it's you're marking a trail that your players, you know, are going across the map, um, changing the names as things actually change in game setting something on fire and turning it into runes, you know, things like that where it's actually becomes interactive is huge, especially as a player, but also as you're telling your story later on to, to people that may be viewing it or reading it or however you decide to, to get it out there, if you do, is really kind of cool. 
And that's one of the reasons I'm like, no, no, no. I just, I just had the landscape. You can just have so much fun with this thing. Bring in a Photoshop, you know? You know, one thing that I was uh, not thinking about uh, that you made me now think about is I think when I come into this topic, I'm thinking of it as a very DM focused topic. Like I, I'm the DM. I'm making the world. Uh, when do I want to start making changes to the map? When do I want to start making uh, different maps for different time periods? But Devin, you you were talking about like, oh, like, well, map changes, unless you're a cartographer, like you don't have to. Well, and then I kind of had this idea of like, well, what if you I don't think there is already a cartographer D&D background. If there is, that's awesome. If there isn't, somebody should make it. But what if you have a player who has that background or who ha- like has that as a this is kind of something that I like to do. I'm a cartographer on the side while I adventure. I'm making updates to this map. Or you can even drop in an NPC that says, hey, listen, I'm a cartographer, but I need people to go out there and explore for me because I'm not an adventurer and I don't want to deal with the dangerous monsters out there. Uh, I'll give you this much gold if you guys can go to this place and tell me, you know, this is what I what I have down some notes, but take some more notes. Tell me what's what the area is like. Tell me what's going on so I can set it out on a map. And you can make this a very focused in thing for the players that the players are adding and changing onto these maps as the time yeah. goes by. On the great thing is like, I just had like a, a, a bit of an NPC contest because I'm on world anvil and I love building worlds with other people. And I was like, Oh, let's, let's just make a bunch of, of NPCs to like fill in this area. And someone came up with a, um, a shop that's called all they survey. And it's these two adventurers that had gone out and they're finally like retiring a little, but they'll pay adventurers for their stories, especially if they come back with any information on, you know, any changes in an area or any news or whatever that they could possibly use for their own. And they just pay them gold, which is a great way, especially for low level and low level players to actually be able to like get a little gold on the side. Hmm. Yep. Which is part. I mean, I'm running a, uh, super dungeon and that's one of the main quests is they have an npc contact that as they go and essentially as they map out the dungeon and relay that information back they receive you know experience and gold for doing that for this npc right and they do have they do have uh i know that they have cartographer tools do they not now for fifth edition isn't that part of your basic pack that's a good i know there's calligraphy tools by the power of the internet. Yeah, they do. Cartographer's tools. Boom. There you go. And yeah, I'm really interested to see if there is a background. If there's not, I feel like I'm going to totally make it. <laughs> I had the same okay. thought. I had the same thought. All right. I'll all let... three of us make it. <laughs> we'll compare notes. Okay. We'll create right. the best cartographer background class there ever was. Woohoo! <laughs> it's a mission in life. <laughs> make more backgrounds. <laughs> but that, I mean, that does sound super interesting. And honestly, I've had players be at my table where they've gotten super into character. And I mean, uh, DM Chris, when he was playing in my campaign, like he was uh, bringing in like journals that he would uh, take notes in for his character because his character created a journal. I just am now picturing like this player who has like this big old scroll in front of him and it's like this map that he's adding and, and then he's got this binder full of different little maps that he's working on honestly this is sounding more and more like a character that i'm interested in playing to be honest this sounds super fun <laughs> well it, it's actually part of the thing that i cover so i have a cartography class 
And it's basically for beginners. Hopefully I'll be making a master's class this summer. <laughs> but I actually talk about how to like do like a quick scouting map, which is actually how I got into cartography to begin with. Uh, well, I actually got into cartography over an argument during a D&D game. Because, <laughs> you know, one of those uh, it was ages and ages ago, but it was one of those groups where you play for five minutes and then argue for like two hours mm. over those five minutes of gameplay. And we were arguing over where we were, where we had to go, and how, you know, where we had come from type of thing. So I was drawing like a really simple little bubble map with like start town, we bunch of dots, this is how we got here, bunch of dots, this is how we got here, this is where we got attacked by orcs. And then, you know, and so I did that and it kind of like helped quellish that part of the argument. Then they went back to arguing over other things. <laughs> but yeah. But then I just started like filling in like the trees and the mountains and all this other stuff around it because I was bored. And uh, my DM's like, oh, that's actually not that bad. I was like, really? He's like, yeah. So I went to school and because uh, I was a teenager at the time, I went back to school and I asked one of my my science teachers, like, you know, how does cartography even work? Like, what do we do? How do we, you know, like, how does this work? Uh, you know, because you take basic earth sciences as a kid, but I wanted more than that. And uh, so, he, of course, he sent me home with like a ton of books, which I was more than happy to read, you know. And uh, so it actually got me into it. And then later on, I took like um, I took some landscaping classes and stuff. Uh, but it was actually really fascinating. And if I had I mean, I've been making maps ever since and just never thought to sell them for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah. And uh, so I actually go into that, into those basic earth sciences, and then actually how to make scouting maps that you can do while playing. And one of the projects that I have coming up is to actually show how an NPC, so to speak, or now possibly not, uh, essentially a cartographer, what a cartographer's journal would look like. Mm. So I have a nice little, nice soft leather bound book with a bunch of handmade papers stuffed in it, and I'll start drawing on it soon, hopefully. Because <laughs> I just need to make even more maps in my spare time. Yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's what we all do. Oh, cool. Here's this thing that I love. Can't help myself to yeah. do it all the time. <laughs> all the time from the moment I wake up till I fall asleep pretty much. <laughs> oh, it's great. You just wake up to random maps that you did while you were sleeping <laughs> at this point, I assume. You know, I honestly, I've actually fallen asleep on a map, woken up and like, I don't remember doing that part. I like to imagine that it was like in ink too so then you have like a forest on your face or something <laughs> although that would be hysterical that doesn't happen with covid markers that would be great yeah. uh, i'm still gonna imagine it it's one of the reasons i use them too yeah yeah no, no. please do i do use archival ink at times, so it can happen yes so this next uh thing that we're gonna talk about i'm really really interested in um especially your tips on this you've been making maps for a while now and making maps in abundance as well so let's say as a dm you're ready to start making some maps that are different like over time you have your world map in front of you and you're like all right i want to make one during the rise of this empire and show this i want to make one uh, after this catastrophic event has happened and the world is crazy changed or i just want to make one that's like thousands and uh, or hundreds of thousands of years into the future and so stuff has changed um so what are some tips that we can give that are helpful for making that process go smoother 
as you start to make that step? Um, well, I start off with, um, I retake the world map. So always, any map that you make, always make sure that you have a copy with you, whether it's a photocopy, whatever, draw notes on it, put post-it notes over any areas that change. So you can keep what the old version looked like and then just have notes on, you know, or even if you can draw, um, doodle over it and just put the post-it note over it. So, you know, it looks different. Uh, and then write your actual notes on the back. Cause this is actually what I do for other people. And they're like, okay, this happened. This was the map I had. All these things happen. So I make these same things when I'm making a new map for someone else. And then I will just literally bring the whole thing over to a light box and start tracing over my old map. And I do have to, uh, depending on how much time occurs, I do take things like erosion for shorelines into account. Um, I'll ask whether or not a place has, you know, a lot of weather, stuff like that. Also because I, I want a reason to make a new map. So... I will ask, like, you know, like, if this place particularly gets hit by hurricanes, or there's a lot of turbulent waters, or volcanoes, and stuff like that, just so, because I like to make them different. Why make the same map different border? You could just erase things, you know? <laughs> so, and I do want something that, like, so the players get a real sense that time has changed. So always take all of that into account, and then, and like I said, just make sure that you're making notes. As you go along, even if you don't actually plan to ever make another map, please just make notes because you just don't know. Yeah, I, I think the biggest the biggest piece there is definitely having the older versions of a map, I think is crazy important because you could also, I mean, there's just some level of meta knowledge that your players have to walk into if it's the same players playing in your world in different time periods and your new version of the map could potentially be the entire catalyst for why they go adventuring right why is there this giant crater over there where i remember my old character's homeland used to be there's only one way to find out yes go to the crater <laughs> die like the rest of them no i'm just <laughs> right or just ask the townspeople that you're in be like hey why is there a hole over there but yeah, um, I, I always suggest making, I mean, even even to make your very first map, the moment that you start building a world is when you should start thinking about creating your map. And you can start off with something super, super simple. Literally, you make a circle. This is the beginning of wherever you want your campaign to be. You know, we'll call the town Sturtville. And if you put in your campaign that your your players have to travel, you know, northwest to get to whatever is their next spot, you literally just draw a line in a northwest direction and make sure that you understand how far your players are traveling. Like one of the things that I love uh, just so much is when someone takes my cartography class, I always know when they get to the lesson about understanding scale and distance, because I will always get like, I made my world like the size of Jupiter. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Or I made the, my world the side of Rhode Island, you know? <laughs> yeah, once you actually start realizing how much actually gets fit into a very small amount of space, really changes like, oh, wow. So there's a lot of stuff that isn't marked on a map if you're not up close. Yeah, yeah. So you can put tons of stuff in between and still have the vast majority of it unpopulated if that's what you want. Um, so always, you know... I tell everyone to make an inch for every 
a day of traveling. So whether they travel by car, by horse, by foot, that's however you, your people normally travel in your world, that's how you're going to determine distance. It also helps you when you go to decide like, okay, well, I kind of need my players to travel for X amount of time. Let's send them off on, you know, like three days from now, you know, it's a three day walk from here. <laughs> and then meanwhile, on your map, it's like, you know, 20 inches away. But the next town that was two weeks of travel is only three inches away. It's like, well, um, your map's wrong. <laughs> players are going to notice. <laughs> yeah. So even just from the very beginning, just always start making these little notes, even if you never intend to make a map. And then as things change, even with just your players, like I said, they set a town on fire, put a little fire emblem or icon on the town. You know, they set it aflame. When you go to make your map, you know that they're either rebuilding or there's runes there. And the same thing occurs with, with making a new one. I also like the, like you said, making those notes and the idea of like the relationships I guess we'll say that the players have interactions with like, okay, so we went over here and we stopped the undead horde. Okay. What does that mean? Long-term is it, you know, is it your somewhat classic power vacuum and something else is going to come into its place and things stay relatively the same or is it the opposite? And now that land is kind of open for, you know, people going in and actually living there now, or the people that used to be there, <laughs> going in and living there and like the long-term changes that that implies like going forward. Yeah. And the great thing is, is that the thing that comes along with cartography is geography, which is a study between uh, pe uh, people and culture in relation to, to the land that's around them. So the fantastic thing is, is that borders change a lot because, you know, uh, we have towns that get abandoned because maybe there was, uh, a military coup and it occurred over this particular span. you know the armies came across it totally wiped out the town in the process or the town fled and now after the army has left you have other people that were you know maybe in, across the border like hey we're expanding or we found this town abandoned let's go loot it oh look the soil's great here let's start a farm nobody's living here <laughs> you know that type of thing. So, I mean, you have, there's reasons why all of this ends up changing. It's really interesting because it, it will change your border. So whenever your players go back to a place that something has actually happened where that's just catastrophic to the town or not, you know, it's going to be different. It's going to be vastly different. It'll, they'll have new government. They'll have, you know, new management. They'll have different um, shops or whatever. If, if there was a bunch of monsters there, yeah, a lot of people are just going to up and leave. You know, so now the town has become desolate. You know, and we, we don't really think about that for the most part when we're DMing and someone goes back and is like, oh, well, you know, because half the time, do you ever actually get back to that town? You know, but if you do, these are things to, and this is why notes are so important, even on a map. That's why you make your map big. So you have all the space you need to write stuff down. <laughs> well, post-it notes. You know, you might ha it might be like a couple inches thick of a stack of post-it notes, but at least you'll have all of your notes. And just keep the most relevant on the top. Perfect. Do we, do we, do we have any other tips or, for like that process of how, 
to make that smoother or should we jump into the talking about like what are actual changes we can add to a map over time? Well, the hard part is, is that there's, it depends on how somebody is actually making the map. So if you're making everything on a computer um, and you can print it out, you can, you can actually print out just an area to, to write notes. Um, and there's a lot of programs now where you can actually have a hidden note that just, you know, um, so, but the process is different. Like when you have a hand-drawn map or you have like a poster that you're working off. So, so unfortunately, other than the only answer I can give that's universals, take notes. Yeah. There's no process that, that makes it any quicker, unfortunately. Yeah, certainly computers can make um, this process easier. And so even, even if you, for instance, I started off with drawing a map uh, when I first made my world map and I still have it hanging on my wall. Uh, you know, I, I took the class, I did the classic, take the tea bags, make it look old, take a little, uh, match, burn <laughs> the edges a little bit. Um, but then when I wanted to start making different changes, I took a, a picture of it, put it in my computer, went to Photoshop, started laying out a computer yep. version of it. And that certainly is in some aspects, if you, can if you have those tools available to you can make this process easier but like you said not everybody's going to work in the same way some people don't even want to jump onto a computer even if they have those things they said no no no. i just want to work on it by hand and so yeah but yes those are definitely some some ways that this can be smoother if you are into uh those kind of computer programs you can make uh those steps and make that an easier process like that i'm Usually thinking of what you can do while you're you're DMing specifically mm. because you don't usually have a computer in front of you that you can work on, even if you are gaming online. Um, so my thought is always like, you know, just have a little printout, if you, especially if you know the area that yes. you guys should generally be in, you know, blow that up, print that up and then, you know, make your notes that way and then go back in. I recommend OneNote because I'm addicted to this thing because it goes from my phone to my computer. Um, but now I'm really getting into like World Anvil, which I found out has timelines. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, I discovered this not too long ago and I was like, this thing is amazing. Uh, I highly recommend it as a DM tool, not only because it's a great, they have timelines, but you can upload hmm. maps and actually have markers on a map uh, that you can either have your own notes on or you can make it, you know, public so everyone can, uh, your players can see it. Or share it with your viewers, for that matter. But it's just a fantastic tool. So whether you use something like that or 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 similar, um, it's great. But while you're DMing, just yeah, post yeah. notes. That your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So kind of the last thing we wanted to hit real quick was, in your experience, having you know, drawn many. <laughs> Far more maps than I think I will ever draw. That I'll just throw that right out there. The what are kind of some of the like consistent changes you see occurring over time on maps? Like the thing you most likely change. I think a big one that we have already discussed a few times is like the rise and fall of empires. What do those borders look like? What does that change on over? all you know do they take over new lands things like that but like what do you see kind of come up most often people should think about changing in their world uh usually it's things like, because most of us actually uh end up either playing in like sci-fi or medieval type areas or um, ages 
the biggest events that occur, obviously, then border changes is um, like natural calamities. So things like, you know, a volcano or flooding or um, earthquakes, which actually change a lot about um, our world. Uh, however, I actually just had this conversation with somebody. Uh, it's actually one of the reasons why I don't edit people when they, you know, they give me their map and they're like, okay, well, is it wrong? There's no way to know it's wrong because we don't have a platform right now that could possibly simulate what magic will do to our environment. So if you're someone who does a lot of elemental damage, like let's say you're like a society of druids, we don't know what that would actually do to our landscape. So, you know, you can actually think quite outside the box if you decide that you like, okay, well, yeah, nobody really... Yeah, there's some borders difference, but if you want to make something dynamic, you can actually do it because of magical effects that occurred over time on the land. Um, but really more than rivers are really, even if you look at our own maps, the things that change the most is um, where, uh, where a river runs through and coastlines are really only the, the hugest changes that we see over time. So... But then that's kind of like, oh, that's kind of boring. So you know what? Put a spell plague in, <laughs> wipe out a bunch of people, and you're good. <laughs> yeah. Or or take yeah. things that are like or, more real world elements like co coastlines changing and say, yeah, but in this world, it's different. It's faster. It's more chaotic. Yes. And so when you have the map changes, you can have like just these continents or I mean <laughs> – shifting continents and like them colliding into each other it's a fantasy world and so i mean the way that the world works that's a whole different episode but it definitely comes into play where those are questions that need to be answered to say how does this map change over x amount of years right the best way to actually um tackle that is to go what are the physics of my world so if you're somebody who has like floating islands, you now know that gravity is different on your world, even if it's just over a particular vortex. So now you know that these things are, you know, are they chaotic? Can they be moved by wind? If so, then, then they can collide with each other and that would drastically change. If not, if they're stagnant and they just stay there and floating above, does that affect the water underneath? Does it affect plant life? Plant life is hugely changed by erosion uh, animal life is hugely changed by that too. Animal life changing changes plant life. I mean, there's a ton of reasons why even in our real world it would be affected, much less you introduce a world of magic or a world that's war-torn. You know, a great a great thing to look at is maps from before and after the Civil, world, uh, Civil War. <laughs> Civil World War. <laughs> Uh, well, not really. Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> <The> hemispheres. <laughs> yeah, right? Wouldn't that be so funny? <laughs> We're putting all of our other things aside. North Hemisphere versus South Hemisphere. Yes. <laughs> Oops. Uh, please don't do that. Um, no. <laughs> but you know, but uh, looking at, you know, even just photography of what areas look devastation-wise before and after they were hit by like the atomic bomb you know stuff like that and we don't even think about it like imagine a place that was literally bombarded by raining fiery meteorites 
one wizard can take out a town, much less if we have a huge part of the va the uh, population able to do it. So yeah, yeah, your world would actually change drastically, uh, you know, if you had magic as an everyday thing. Yeah, and it, it's the smallest thing too about that concept because I mean here because I live in California, so in Yellowstone they introduced essentially a pack of wolves, and it completely changed everything yes. about it because it actually changed those that introduction had a cascading effect and the rivers changed direction yes because everything else that happened now imagine if it's owl bears <laughs> like a oh, bunch right? of owl bears like i mean just the, the insane yeah well of course it is <laughs> remember <laughs> i posted this on twitter i don't think i've said i don't know if i said this out loud on the podcast but if it's a parliament of owls and a sleuth of bears, then clearly it's an Illuminati of owl bears. <laughs> of course. How could uh, it not be? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you if you introduce that kind of concept in there or like a rift into like the abyss and yeah. now like mm. you have demons and devils running everywhere, you're, that area of the world is ruined. Guaranteed. Yeah. So, yeah, so I, I definitely would take that into effect, especially, like I said, if you're really trying to impose on your players a, a you know, change in time, even if it's something like, you know, 25 years, you know, depending on what actually occurs in that area as far as, you know, culturally or socially will drastically affect what your map looks like. Or just tell them you have a really old map. <laughs> I recently saw the movie Annihilation. There's an object uh, that falls from space and lands on Earth, and it creates this like area of effect that keeps on growing outward. And that's like the problem. In this movie that it's it's affecting everything around it. So it's like mutating, like not only the land but the life forms and something like that. Whether it's magic or it's something an alien object, like those things can affect the yes. world and thus are going to affect the map. Devin, you also brought up uh, quickly like druids and like, well, we don't know how they like they're going to like that magic would change a, a map. And I immediately had this idea of like, well, what if like the druids like decided because in D&D &D, druids are all about balance. But what if you had a sect of druids that was like, no, 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 we want the forest to take over and just like won this there was this war and these druids like fought against uh, and won a country and then just say forests, forests everywhere. That's going to change the map as well. I think I think the bottom line here is when you're dealing with magic, these map changes can happen sporadically, chaotically, and there's a whole lot of things you can say change it up this way, change up this map based on events. Yeah. You know, this whole time I've just been drawing one area over and over again, but all this magic keep happening. So it just keeps changing the, the coastline. You all think I'm drawing different maps. They're not really. It's the same exact region. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. I just can't keep up with everything that changes from magic. It's just. <laughs> you heard it here. Every time this I think canon. I'm done. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Devin, before you brought up uh, floating islands, and that was something that I mean, that's something we've seen in fantasy worlds. Uh, and like you said, if the floating islands just like it floats, but it stays stationary. Good. 
boom, put it on the map. How would you as a cartographer, though, deal with a floating island that's like constantly moving or let's say uh, a, a giant turtle in the water that has an island on its back that sometimes it's above water, sometimes it's below. Would you even tackle that or would you say that's that's unmappable? No, that's actually what insets are for. So I actually had somebody who asked me, they're like, oh, it, I have, I forgot exactly what they said that they had in the world, but they're like, it moves. And I'm like, that's fine. And they're like, well, how are you going to put that on the map? I was like, well, you make incense, uh, incense. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all sit around holding hands, singing to my <laughs> No, inset. And um, essentially what you do is it's, I'm, we've all seen them on a map where they're the border. It overlays a part of the map. And essentially what it is, is it's sort of, um, you know that it's not a part of the map that you're looking at. So my map of Courtrim actually has two areas on it. One is Merlin's Sky Realm, which is actually uh, drawn by Dyson Logos, as well as the Sunken Dynasty, again, also drawn by him. And I put them at the corner of the maps because one of them is underwater and one of them floats and moves. It doesn't move greatly, you know, it doesn't like go across the entire map, but it doesn't stay specifically in just one spot. And... Uh, all I did was just added them at like an off to the side so they cover part of the border. And then everyone goes, so why isn't it part of the map? <laughs> so I get to explain it to them, <laughs> you know. But that's essentially what those little insets are for. If the movement, let's say the island uh, that moves is not random but has a pattern to it, is is there a specific way to like map that as well? Like you have the, the outline of the path that this island takes around the continent oh yeah so what you do is the same idea put on inset and then just do like a little path arrows around how it goes like just like you would currents in the ocean uh just like i do roads on on land you can do wind currents as well on maps there's tons tons of stuff that you could have way too much time on your hands then yeah but yeah you could add all this wonderful fun stuff like i do because i'm crazy Awesome. Devin, you, uh, one more thing that I, I had thought of is that before you were talking about like people create their maps and uh, some of them are like, oh my goodness, I created a map the size of Jupiter. And some of them are like, oh my gosh, I've created the a map the size of Rhode Island. I mean, I think I have like from that, like I was thinking, oh, like you, you create a map for your world and it's, it's in your opinion, it's too small. I want more. And like that made me think of the fact, you know, the real world as you have before the discovery of Amer the Americas, like the map, and you can look up like old maps, was very yes. different uh, that we had before the discovery of the Americas. And you can do the same thing in your homebrew worlds, and that's going to lead to some really interesting maps. And because of the interesting maps, it's going to lead to some really interesting ways to play campaigns in your world as well with we discovered this whole new continent or continents yeah one of the things that uh, that i always find sort of humorous and i try to re to repeat as much as possible i get a lot of dms that come up and like oh you know i want this in my ma uh, my map i want this i want this i want this first of all nothing even in our world is constant hmm. and by all means it can change but also your 
everything can change. It's okay to actually make various different maps. It's okay for it to actually, like, we didn't know, we didn't, we had no clue that there was a whole other gigantic continent, much less attached to another continent on the other side of the world. It's, <laughs> that's okay. Your world changes and it can expand. You know, you don't have to know all of your world when you start creating a, a campaign. You know, it's not set in stone, even if you you think you do know it, you know, and that's one of the reasons why when everyone's like, oh, can you make a globe? I'm like, I could, but I, well, I can't. But even if I could, I wouldn't suggest it because the implication is that there's nothing beyond this. Don't box yourself in, you know, create a world that you can expand on, especially if your players love the world you've created. This way you're not like, oh, well, OK, so. We've gone everywhere. We've done everything. We got to the end of Skyrim for a few thousand hours. Now what? You know? And it's like, well, hey, you could just, you know, look, there's a continent. We had no idea was there. <laughs> Amazing. Let's go explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing set in stone. So, Devin, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we appreciate, uh, I mean, everything. You've been able to give such a shine such a light on this topic that I know me and Neil couldn't even begin (laughs) to shine a light in the way you did. I think you saw both of us break into, you know, I know we're recording this episode, but we just have questions. We just want to ask Devin. So (laughs) let's, let's just ask them and it'll lead to some brilliant stuff. So thank you so much just for coming on and for, for being a part of this episode and uh, just sharing your, your map wisdom with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I love talking maps, obviously, because I won't <laughs> shut up. Yes. <laughs> uh, if our listeners would like to uh, get in touch with you or check out the work that you're doing, uh, where's a good place for them to go and do those things? Uh, you can always find, well, one, you can find me anywhere on the internet under Devin Rue. Just spell it correctly. And uh, that's D E V E N. R-U-E. You can find me on Patreon. You can find me on my website, which is rueinc.com with a K, not a C. Um, and But I'm most active probably on Twitter, which I have a lot of fun. I answer as many questions as I possibly can. Yeah. So you can find me that way, hopefully. I think I'm approachable. <laughs> and Neil, where else should they go? Devin, you were definitely too subtle about it. You should head over to Patreon, which is connected to Rue Inc. Because Mm. Patreon has the unfortunate 100 posts and then you don't see them anymore. So if you do support her on Patreon, it will connect to her website where you can go get all of the amazing stuff she has done before now and use it in your games. And I mean, do you have any rough number of the available maps that someone would receive if they were to support your Patreon? I believe right now I have over 30 maps uh, and I have about, I think, a little over 100 illustrations. No, I think it's 150 illustrations. I don't know. I have a lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. The proper number is a lot. So, yeah, definitely go (laughs) check out her Patreon and support her like I do. And with that, let's head to the mailbag. But they've been asking for their mail on a daily basis. It's all they're talking about up there. That right there is the mail. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day, okay? Today on The Mailbag, I am once again not alone. Because I fear the darkness. And I have DM Mitch with me. Hey, hey. So, speaking of darkness, we had... 
Well, okay. The the name is not dark. We had an email from DM Deadly Sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> they have a dilemma in that they are creating an area in their world where the people live and focus on occult and sort of evil beliefs and essentially reigning supreme in this area. But the thing that they want to do that essentially is the question is how do you make those people or how do you make your players either empathize or sympathize on some level with these people rather than they're evil, they need to die, scorched earth kind of thing. Essentially trying to make that moral dilemma of how to approach this region so yeah, I don't even know how to finalize that question because it's a t- it's a tough one. So here we go. I think the, one of the classic answers would just be uh, give them a family and and make that apparent. Like if you're going for an individual, that's that's one of the easiest ways. Uh, but another way I think that would be even more interesting. Um, is to dive into their history and maybe dive into the way that their occult, uh, that their cult got to the beliefs that they have right now. Maybe e- even all the awful, terrible, evil things that uh, this cult believes and worships and follows, uh, perhaps that is all goes back in history to a time where they as a people uh, were oppressed or something terrible happened to them. And that led to this way of life, this way of following. And so to give your players a perspective of like uh, that, they were the victims at one point uh, might make them kind of struggle a little bit with that moral quandary. Yeah, I think so. The biggest thing is, you know, like Mitch had mentioned, giving them a family. You need to humanize them and focus on who they are, not what they do. And so then you essentially look at who these people are. And that was one of the other ideas that I had was why are they now following this occult lifestyle? What terrible thing happened in this region that they needed to seek maybe this power of some crazy demonic lord on the lower plains and now that's who they worship to and have for hundreds of years it's just what they do um and small and small things of just like small sacrifices that they make and things like that i think you yeah i think exactly i think you make them and the ends justify the means type group uh, maybe one of the atrocities that they are doing is that they are doing human sacrifices. Uh, but when you find out the reason behind that human sacrifice is because that they are appeasing some evil force that if they didn't do that, and maybe at first they didn't do it because they were like, no, that's terrible. We cannot do that. But because they refused at first to do it, many, many more lives were killed. And so they are doing these terrible things to to save people in a sense. That would be a way that you could definitely humanize them. Yeah. And another thing that I thought of is also having them be in an area where um, essentially having the region be something akin to Gondor and like they're stemming the tide of all these bad things. And the other thing I thought of, like, you know, now you have this essentially warrior race and anyone that is wounded in battle and not killed is sacrificed. 
but it's not, it's not something that those who are wounded hesitate doing. Like, you know, and it's like building that into the culture of, of these people as well, knowing that those things that, you know, outside perspectives may think are evil, but even those people that are on the receiving end of that don't see it as evil. Like they're, ha- I mean, in a way, air quote, happy to be the sacrifice because they were wounded in battle and cannot defend their people. And so now they'll be the sacrifice to give them more power. Yeah. A, a death, death is essential. We worship death because death equals life uh, kind of mentality. Uh, there are, yeah, there are definitely uh, lots of ways you can jump in beyond just the giving them a family uh, to make them see more human. Definitely. Thank you. DM sprinkles or nope, sorry. DM deadly sprinkles for this awesome email. I almost feel like <laughs> in some way we can, we might make a whole episode out of something like this. So thank you for sending the email. We just want to thank Devin again for coming on and spending some time with us talking about map changes. If you want to get a hold of us and tell us about how you changed your maps over time, you can always email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com. And of course, if you loved our episode or any of the others and you see fit, head on over to iTunes where you can leave us a five-star review. And to follow us and check on all the cool things we're doing, you can go to Twitter and find us at DMS underscore block. That's at DMS block, or you can like us on Facebook. And as always, we have a Patreon member shout out. And today's shout out goes to Charlie Westenberger. So thank you, Charlie, for being one of our amazing Patreons and tearing up the skies as a Patreon dragon. As always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out shows like The GM Showcase, Geek Wars, Detentions and Dragons, and more. We just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the ego of everyone else at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, and good luck. So, but you want me to edit some audio? I'm on. Okay, not a problem. All right, well, you know. <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump us in now that we're super excited. Okay. I don't even remember how to do it. I'm so beside myself. <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's fantastic. So, that was... <laughs> you can go oh, for go it. Go ahead. Okay. Uh... Oh, no. I, <laughs> I love it. Bloopers. <laughs> All right, good. Blooper time. All right. Goodbye.